Rational discussion, common sense, open debate. RCR, Reality Check Radio with Paul Brennan. Dr. Malcolm Kendrick is a Scottish doctor and author of a couple of books to mention here, and there's more, and I'm sure he'll mention them. The Great Cholesterol Con uh, and The Clot Thickens. He's been a general practitioner for over 25 years. He's worked with European Society of Cardiology, so he must know something. He's been described as fearless, and um, he joins us to talk about the whole heart health scene and the some of the drugs, common drugs, particularly one um, that you know that we take if we have those issues. So, Doctor Kendrick, from your home in the UK or Scotland, I don't yeah. actually know where you are. No, exactly. I'm- I'm, I'm near to, I live amongst the English, unfortunately, now. Oh, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> I have to wear a hat with a, I am Scottish, I think. Uh, Keep a I low profile. Keep a low profile. <laughs> Isn't it life's too short to not be Scottish or something? I saw on a bumper sticker oh, well, recently. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Now, where do we start? Um, I had a, you know, as you do, a skim around to see what people said about you. Were you deleted from Wiki? Uh, yeah, I was. I am. Um, I can. I have that proud badge. I think it was five years ago now. Yeah, the, I, people wrote yeah. to me and they said you're being removed from Wikipedia, and I went, "Oh, I didn't even know I was on." But you know, I'm terribly <laughs> upset. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I saw the comment that triggered it, if it's to be believed. But there it was. Malcolm Kendrick is a fringe figure. Did you know that you're a fringe figure? I am. Well, I'm. Proudly fringe. <laughs> His book, The Great Cholesterol Con, was not reviewed in any science journals. So that's a that's an issue. He's involved with the International Network of Cholesterol Skeptics. And then the suggestion here, which I think triggered the deletion, is that I suggest deleting his article and redirecting his name to that. So, but the fact that you didn't even know you were there in the first place really, really doesn't make it count too much, I suppose. Yeah, I've been thrown out of a club I never wanted to be a part of. Yeah, um, <laughs> uh, I'm not a great. Oh, Wikipedia is if you want to know, you know, what the density of the moon is or something, or how many planets are around the solar system, is actually a fantastic resource, is it not? But um, when yeah. it comes to anything remotely contentious, um, it, it just it's been taken over by by basically fringe lunatics, in my opinion. So, you know, when it comes to dietary stuff or or climate change or anything of that order it, it, you can't it's just it, it's not a resource that you can utilize because there are various people who have been given the ability to edit it and they've got their own uh, they've got their own agendas and that's that really yeah um there's deletion but yeah there's also editing which is i guess it ends in deletion you went straight straight to the top of the class on that one but yeah uh, <laughs> I also did a search, to, a bit of bio search, just as a matter of interest, and I came up with a, um, a few points that apparently facts that have been found out about you. One of them was Malcolm is a very talented personality who knows well about heart disease. So, someone. Well, yeah. <laughs> we're doing well. I like so more, more, more of that. Yeah, sure. Obviously. Yeah, that redresses the balance a bit. Yeah. Thanks, so, Mom. <laughs> so, um, when did where did this interest? Come in for you because I know the the drug we're going to talk about statins. That that's an early seventies. Well, that's where, the, where it started, right? Early seventies. They got onto this. I think someone in Japan, a scientist there, started the ball yeah, rolling. Yeah. So so tell us. Well, well, there's two, there's two alternatives about where statins came from. One was it was the CIA looking for a poison, and the other one it was a Japanese researcher. I'm not quite sure which. <laughs> it could have been both. 
um, uh, but, but it's, it was it was a rubbish poison because it's produced by red yeast rice and um, and um, the plants that excreted it were trying to stop being eaten, which should give you a clue as to how healthy the substance is. Um, but yeah, no, this, the, the first, <clears throat> because the idea for many years was a raised cholesterol or low density lipoprotein, we'll not go into too much detail, uh, causes heart disease, it's the primary cause. And so pharmaceutical companies and researchers were desperate to find something that, that lowered its level. Um, there were other, medications or drugs before um, statins came along but they were all they all failed miserably and in fact increased mortality and and the whole area was kind of falling into disarray uh, but the first <clears throat> the first statin uh, was actually launched in 1987 that was um, actually based on the substance you can find in red yeast red yeast rice lovastatin um, so my interest became was sort of well about all the time earlier than that because I, I grew up in Scotland and at the time Scotland had the highest rate of heart disease in the world vying only I believe with Northern Ireland uh, we didn't keep that status for terribly long but um, but we were up there so how do, you, how do you explain that is there a like a cultural element to that or are you just very unhealthy people <laughs> <laughs> well I don't think we were um, well that Too much drinking. So all sorts, like, as all sorts of things. Um, the the almost the whole Western world had a higher rate of heart disease at that time, which is sort of seventies, eighties. Um, you know, Scotland now has a fifth of the rate of heart disease for for, pe for people as it did then. Um, New Zealand had a very high rate as well in the seventies and eighties. Mm. Um, I don't think it ever got quite as high. But uh, how do I explain it? Well, essentially. One of the things that happened in Scotland uh, is is that about six hundred to seven hundred thousand people were were stripped out of the centre of Glasgow where they had the tenements and moved to what I had to say was god awful towns around it, new towns, places like Cumbernauld. If you've ever driven through Cumbernauld, you just I think, mm. "Can I please get out of here? It's horrible." <laughs> um, uh, so these sort of new towns designed by these city planners who thought we'd all like to live in little boxes. Um, but anyway, the, the destruction of the, the hollowing out of a community as such was really quite damaging. Um, and, and touching on to New Zealand, that obviously uh, cultural dislocation is possibly the greatest driver of cardiovascular disease because the Maoris have a very high rate of heart disease, uh, topped only, I believe, currently by Australian Aboriginals who have well, they're not called Aboriginals now, they're called Torres Strait Islanders, I think. Mm. I keep, it becomes difficult to keep up, but that group of people, they have the highest rate of heart disease in the world at the moment. And um, and, and why, why is that? Yeah, dislocation, I, I imagine the physical dislocation, but what does that take you out of your traditional patterns of, of food well, and doing things? How does that Well, it's not, it, it has nothing to do with food. Um, um, just to touch on that, they looked at Japanese who moved from Japan to America, and um, Japanese have a low rate of heart, have always had a very low rate of heart disease. Um, and they said, well, what happens when they go to the States? And so what happens is that their rate of heart disease in general becomes identical to the surrounding population. Hmm. However, the Japanese who maintain a traditional Japanese lifestyle um, maintain their very low low rate of heart disease ah, yeah. Regard, but the, and, and, and that didn't matter what they ate 
Um, so if they if they maintained the Japanese um, food eating, um, got rid of the rest of their lifestyle, their their heart disease rate just matched the surrounding U.S. population. So so there's no association with diet. No, uh, essentially what happens, and this is a very complex area, and I'm not going to get through it today. Yeah. Is that if you if you become socially dislocated, I use the word social dislocation. I'm not quite sure what the correct word is. That um, it causes um, enormous stresses on you on you psychological stresses. Um, you become depressed. You become anxious. You become, in all ways, um, you, you get a form of kind of PTSD, if you like. Uh-huh. Uh, and and this triggers a series of hormonal responses that raise your blood sugar level, raise your blood pressure, uh, raise stress hormones, trigger your autoimmune system into action. And basically it, it just, it sort of kills you. Um, and um, you can see that uh, after the, the breakup of the Soviet Union in the 1990s, the rates of heart disease went through the roof. I mean, the rates were quite high. But in countries like Lithuania, over a three-year period, the heart disease death rate doubled, True. and uh, and and that was a time of enormous social upheaval and dislocation, and people's financial worries, and they lost their jobs, they lost their pensions. Although the structures in Soviet Union were not fantastic, they were stable. When that stability fell apart, so if you see communities that are stripped apart um, in whatever ways, uh, the, the rates of heart disease follows dramatically um the u.s had the first spike in heart disease followed by finland and everyone says well what happened in finland that's a nice cheerful little country in the middle of nowhere full of happy people who all look after each other and blah 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 well after the second world war uh, in the late 1940s um, close to a million Finns were thrown out of russia dislocated out of their world and thrown into finland and uh, the rate of heart disease in Finland went through the roof during the 50s and 60s and has fallen back since. Um, whereas the traditional peoples, the, 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 the Sami, the ones that do all the reindeer herding, who maintain their lifestyle, their heart disease rate has always been low and remained low, despite having nice. cholesterol levels that are basically through the roof. Yeah. So it's kind of, in a way, psychological. Uh, what yeah. about the last, and we don't want to go too much into this, we want to talk about hearts, but... Uh, I guess there's a connection here. I mean, people have kind of, you were describing for some the last few years right there. Yes. So. Well, I, I, I criticise lockdown at the very start uh, when it was first started uh, and the costs that were going to be and the issues were going to be. And I said that the history of heart disease tells us that if you disrupt societies significantly, and I'm not quite sure how significantly that has to be, if people... Mm then the rates of heart disease follow. Um, and at the moment, the rates of heart disease are kind of following, not maybe as dramatic, not as dramatic as happened in Soviet Union, not as dramatic as happened in Finland, perhaps, but we are seeing um, problems. Now, I don't think the social cohesion of our societies in the West has broken down to the degree no. that has happened in those places, but there was definitely significant stress going on to people. So... You know, I, I did say I do believe that we may see a spike of death from heart disease following lockdowns. So I get to say I told you so. Mm. And I wrote this in April 2020. Um, and, I, and I was very critical of lockdowns because mm. I said that everyone says, oh, my God, economies don't matter. It's all about health. One death. It's worth it's worth bankrupting the entire Western world if we can save one person. It's like, well, well, no, don't be so stupid and immature. But um, secondly, 
there there is a connection between people's economic um, um, wealth welfare and and their health, and it's incredibly yeah. powerful. And if you make people poor, they die. And this happens around the world. You know, the social inequalities uh, are, are are not obviously. There's other issues if you're poor, but but, but poverty. There was a study from South Africa showing that people who had financial worries, significant financial worries, over the next five years were 13 times more likely to have a heart attack. Gosh. So, you know, don't, don't, there is a very close connection. It's not an entirely close connection. It's more for men than women. There's a very close connection between feeling uh, financially secure, or whatever that means exactly, and your health. And, and so don't, don't come to me saying, well, the economy doesn't matter. And, and if we all end up living in caves, mm. this doesn't matter. So long as one person is safe from love. And you're not saving people. You're going to kill people. And in the UK, the, um, the, the Office for National Statistics, I think it was them, predicted that there would be 17,000 excess deaths per year for the next seven years following lockdown due to the economic problems that it's caused. Just the, the economic stuff, yeah. That's... Um, that's- you never see unhealthy people walking off private jets. <laughs> they all look pretty, pretty good and beautiful to me. Yeah. Well, I think what I'm going to do is, is I'm going to prescribe private jets to everybody in the future. This, <laughs> this is the solution. <laughs> they may, they may struggle to afford to put fuel in them, but yeah. Yeah. Well, even you know, getting the hourly rate. Um, <laughs> though Pfizer could help out. Um, so back back to the statin. So the origin. You you explain the origin. And I'm thinking, um, given those stats that you were talking about, 50s, 60s, coming out of that high um, uh, um, heart disease rate, uh, pharma would be salivating, wouldn't they? For anything they could kind of, I don't know, conjure up maybe not the word, but that, that can discover, they can kind of show that it might do something and market it. Um, that's a dream product, isn't it? Well, it is, it is the dean product. You know, I'm not, I'm not blaming the pharmaceutical industry for the cholesterol hypothesis. That was a bit of... Well, okay, well, maybe I've got the the, the, um, yeah, the car in front of the yeah. horse there, but... Oh, no, no, yeah, no. Everyone was going, you know, cholesterol causes heart disease. So the pharmaceutical industry were desperate to find something that could lower cholesterol. And they eventually found, well, as I said, they found lots of things. And they found a lot of things since that lower cholesterol that have done no good whatsoever but statins came along they lowered cholesterol and and they had an impact on cardiovascular disease although that impact in my opinion is is, is, is almost vanishingly small which is why i got worked out of wikipedia yeah i noticed um, that it's, it's not much gain is it for for a lot of people taking this stuff well you know when you're taking a drug just writing a thing at the moment so if you're taking a drug for the rest of your life all right um in order to stop in this case, heart disease, then the number one question you want to ask is, is how much longer am I going to live, doc? Yeah. All right. Yeah. And sure. you will find that you will never find that figure presented anywhere. Um, oh. No, um, never. Uh, uh, and the, there is a, they'll say the reason for it is that they can't do it because the trials didn't last long enough to achieve 50% mortality in both groups, blah, blah, blah. There's a statistical reason for it, mm, right. um, which is bullshit. Basically. Is there anything anecdotal, though, like that points towards the... Uh, it, well, no, well, a, a group... I, I did an analysis, which I failed to get published anywhere, looking at life, increase in life expectancy from taking statins for five years, which is how long 
most of the clinical trials lasted, so we don't have any robust data beyond that point. But another group did manage to get published in BMJ Open, Christiansen, and they looked at statin studies, and they said, well, how much longer are you going to live according to the clinical trials, all right? And they said, if you are at heart, uh, they call secondary prevention, you've already got known heart disease. That's, that's, there's two groups that get treated. Mm-hmm. Or primary prevention, you're not known to have heart disease already. But anyway, for primary prevention, which is you've not had a heart attack or a stroke or diagnosed with angina or whatever, the average increase in life expectancy for taking a statin for five years is 3.1 days. Yeah, hardly hitting it out yeah. of the park. Really? It's, um, well, 0.75 days a year. Uh, and in fact, that, uh, that, that is the maximum benefit. There's also another group called NNT, which is the number needs to treat in the States who look at drugs with a kind of more of a objective eye. And as they say, in primary prevention, right, which is where almost everyone is taking it, uh, statins, that uh, there is no benefit on overall mortality no benefit means no statistically significant benefit. That has not been seen in clinical trials. In other words, you won't live any longer uh, at all. Um, so these are not my figures. And you know, I get attacked for these figures and I go, well, I didn't make these figures up because I, uh, I, I can make figures up. You know, <laughs> I can calculate. I actually yeah. got slightly more days. Well, I looked at the two most impressive st- statin trials, which were one was called 4S and the other one was called HPS. I mean, 4S is the Scandinavian sympathetic something study, um, which was the first one to really not apparently knock statins out of the park. Uh, and, and, and so that was as positive as you can possibly get. So I thought, well, I'd use that because that's, that's me, you know, giving them every possible benefit. And it was, uh, I got it at 10.5 days for five years. So, but that was a secondary prevention study. That was people who already had heart disease, right. we're already quite likely to die. So, I mean, obviously the proportion, if, if you're like 20 years old, your chances of dying of a heart attack in the next five years are, are effectively zero, right? Yeah. Um, so if you did a study on 25-year-olds or 20-year-old people and give them statins, you, you would see no difference. Um, so you, you only, you tend to give it to people who've got the highest risk because then you will see the greatest difference, if you like. So, so obviously, the less risk you have, the less benefit you're going to get. And the other thing that I did point out, which is probably another reason I got booted off Wikipedia, hmm. is because when they did these original studies in the 80s, the rate of heart disease was four to five times what it is now, all right? Uh, yeah. In a lot of countries, not in all countries, it's not the case, but Western countries, New Zealand, Australia, Scotland, US, the rates have gone down and down for various reasons. Which, But... Um, so any any results that go in, into these the original studies. So if I was if you were getting three point one days in nineteen ninety, right, you'd be getting a fifth of that. So you'd be getting 0.6 days now benefit on average. Yeah. In fact, none of these studies would have been positive had they been done now. And and we know this because the statin studies since two thousand and five, none of them have been positive. Now, there's um, other reasons for that. Yeah. Okay. So it's all <laughs> devils in the detail, and um, stats can be made to, to to jump through all sorts of hoops. I guess to understand b- before we talk about you know how it all came to be so common is understanding cholesterol. Now I've got a loose 
understanding, I think I'm, I'm probably not actually very clued up at all, but, you know, I, I imagine this sort of stuff slowly constricting blood vessels and, you know, eating too much dairy food and things like this kind of how it's been sold anyway. And, you know, it's this great evil thing. Um, I'm, I'm seeing a bit more that says, well, maybe it's not su such a, a terrible thing. So to be able to sell this product or for it to be so successful, you've got to then, because you mentioned it before, accept that cholesterol is the cause, major cause of of heart disease, what, in the Western world? Is, is that, and that's held true all this time, is it? Uh, yeah, well, it, 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 yeah, anyway, it, the idea that uh, it was first, if you eat saturated fat, it raises your cholesterol level and causes heart disease. It's been around for actually a long time, but um, mm. kind of gained traction in the 50s and 60s. A guy called Ansel Keys did a whole series of very bogus studies where he got rid of 95% of his data and said, da -da. and um, <laughs> uh, what the original hypothesis was if you eat too much cholesterol, it raised your cholesterol level. But then he actually did studies and found that if you eat cholesterol, it doesn't raise your cholesterol level at all. So he changed his hypothesis and said, no, it's, it's saturated fat, actually. Um, well, you can't, you can't show experiments raising uh, heart disease rates by eating saturated fat. In fact, Ansel Keys did an experiment in the 1960s called the Minnesota Coronary Experiment, where he changed saturated fat for basically made them eat polyunsaturated fats, the terribly unhealthy stuff that you find in flora and stuff. Mm. Uh, and this study went, it was about 9,000 people went on for five years. And in fact, they did reduce the uh, cholesterol level with the polyunsaturated fat diet, but the rate of heart disease and death uh, went up considerably. In fact, the more, the more that the cholesterol level fell, uh, the greater the risk of death. And that's, there was a Sydney heart study done, which showed the same thing. Two interesting things completely contradicted the hypothesis in all ways. Um, but the, the Minnesota coronary experiment, which finished in 1973, was finally published in 2016 because the data had been kept in a garage for the last 40 years and was only discovered by a researcher who said, was having a conversation with someone saying, didn't your dad do an experiment? In like <laughs> yeah. Said, do you know what happened to it? He went, Oh, I've got all these things in my garage, you can come and look at them. And he took right. all this down, took all the data out of it. You know, it was like it was like Harrison Ford and Raiders of the Lost Art. I mean, it's amazing. And uh, blowing up the dust off. this thing in 2016 and said, This completely contradicts the whole hypothesis. Why wasn't it published? To which the answer is, Why do you think? Yeah, yeah. And how many other studies are like that? I mean, we only know this one exists, you know, negative studies just get. Get, get, what get. what did what did Joe Biden have in his garage then? <laughs> so well, probably another the, study. The, the new the, the New Zealand's heart study by uh, yeah by his mate yeah. But it it became it obviously became accepted. Now is yeah. that because uh, I mean what 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 makes what makes people sort of latch on to you know to thinking that way and and then anchoring so. Uh, heavily well, onto heavily. it to the point where you know, <laughs> you're, you're shot down, right? You yeah. get the flag. Yeah, yeah you... well, um, well, because it's a nice, simple idea. I mean, you can see it on The Simpsons where <laughs> where Homer was eating a, a hamburger, and then there's like a little thing showing it's going in into his bloodstream, his little hamburgers, and then little hamburgers cause a blockage in his heart. You know, it's like no, simple. It, it's simple, and it's absolutely stupid because once you understand the physiology of what's going on, it's like okay, explain to me the exact biochemical physiological processes by which eating saturated fat 
raises your cholesterol level. You, you don't have, actually you don't have cholesterol in your bloodstream. You have a little lipid that, that contains cholesterol and that because cholesterol can't dissolve in your blood. So you haven't got a cholesterol level. You've got a, all sorts of different sized little taxis wandering around your bloodstream containing cholesterol and fats and they're called lipoproteins. Um, so the whole concept of cholesterol in your blood is nonsense anyway. So you have oh, lipoproteins. Yes. Right. It's, it's just like what? What were you? Are we talking science? Are we talking? Some... Yeah, but 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 the, then it, it's hard to market, isn't it? You need to be able to conjure up these images, yeah. like the Homer yeah. Simpson yeah, well, exactly. style. Well, well, they can do, they, they, they can do that. You know, there was one showing that if you took saturated fat and poured it into your drain, um, it would block it up. It, uh, it blocked it up. Right. So, yeah. Of course, we're we're. Drano. we're <laughs> what are you talking? about? <laughs> Right. If if you take if you eat saturated fat or any fat, right? I'll just give you a little example. It it it, it goes into your um, gut. It's a, it's absorbed out of your gut, and it's all terribly complicated processes. It actually goes. It's pushed into these packages. This one's called the chylomicron. They change the, the terminology is terrible, uh, and and then it, it's released directly into your bloodstream. It doesn't go into your liver or anything. These, these are released directly into your bloodstream. These float around your bloodstream, losing fats and cholesterol as they do so. So they shrink from like a basketball to a golf ball. Right. They then arrive at the liver and then they're broken down. So actually, the, the process of saying, well, if you, eat, if you eat saturated fat, it raises your cholesterol. Well, first of all, you don't have cholesterol. Secondly, the molecule that carries it around has nothing to do with the molecule that we call a high cholesterol, which is a low density lipoprotein. And there is no connection between the two substances in your body that does not exist. And I had a discussion with a lipidologist once where I was trying to argue that a, a, a good old English breakfast was terribly healthy. And I started explaining how the lipids worked and how it all went. And he was like, how do you know all this? I went, well, it's called reading. How come you don't? You're a lipidologist. <laughs> Crikey, not as advertised. Um, this how, is your how, job. How do you explain that then? Um, is, is, uh, our area is so specific that even if it's just like a, you know, just right near the fence of what you do, you just, you never see it. Yeah, well, well I tell you, it, it is almost like there's a secret society out there, which is we are, we are not going to provide the information required for anyone to understand how any of this works. Because I remember writing about one paragraph once in a doctor's net thing about where, where how it all worked, that if, if you eat carbohydrates, these go straight to your liver. The liver converts most of the carbohydrates into fat in your liver, and it sends the fat out in a thing called a lipoprotein, a VLDL, or a triglyceride. This shrinks down to become an LDL, and then it's taken out of your system. Now, that's not really highly complicated. And he right. said, gosh, I have never heard of this before. Right. <laughs> he, in fact, said, this doesn't sound correct. I went, well, this is what happens. How could you say something doesn't sound correct when you don't know anything about it anyway? Uh, well, well, because it didn't sort of fit. It was right. there, how, does the, how does the LDL, the cholesterol narrative, why is it so strong? Because it's incredibly simple. You eat yeah. it. It goes into your bloodstream. It's deposited on your artery walls. Right. That sort of sounds simple, but as H.L. Mencken said, for every complex solution, there's an answer that's simple, easy to understand, and wrong. 
So this is wrong. It's it's wronger. It's just completely wrong, you know. And the reason why eating the reason why eating polyunsaturated fats lowers your LDL level is because they they contain vegetable oils. All right, vegetable oils. I've I've got a thing called in it called the stanols. You might have heard of stanols and sterols that are so healthy for you because they lower your cholesterol level. The reason why is because stanols and sterols are the plant equivalent of cholesterol, which is a molecule. And, and if you stuff your guts with stanols and sterols from vegetables, they get absorbed. And then they do the same thing in your body as a natural a mammalian cholesterol would do. And so it kind of uh, it competes with your cholesterol absorption. So your, your cholesterol lowers the amount of these VLDLs lowers down and your, your, your LDL level drops a bit. But all that's happening is you're replacing natural, normal human cholesterol, which we find in animals, with unnatural, abnormal vegetable stanols, which are designed to stabilize cell walls in, in plants. And cholesterol is one of its things it does, is designed to make the function of cell membranes, because we don't have cell walls as animals, is makes them function properly. So what you're doing is you're sticking plant stanols into cell membranes in, in our in our in our in our cells and 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 damaging potentially the function of all of the processes that go on through cell membranes, which is enormously complicated. So you've heard of trans fatty acids. Yeah. Well trans fatty acids were were considered healthy-ish. Um, and, and they are artificial forms of fat, right? Um, that you don't find in nature, uh, chemically designed to be stabilized so that so that vegetable oils turn solid so you can spread them on toast. Um, and, and they get into your cells and they are the most unhealthy forms of fat possible. So in an attempt to get rid of saturated fats, mm. we've created trans fats. And trans fats are horrible. They're so unhealthy that even the World Health Organization has recognized that they were unhealthy. So by trying to get rid of saturated fat, because it's terribly unhealthy. We ended up with trans fats, which are terribly unhealthy. And, and this is just typical of the whole thing. It's like, you don't even understand what you're doing. You have no concept of anything you are doing. And, and nobody, you know, doctors all go blah, blah, blah. And you go, you don't know, you've ne- you don't even know what a VLDL is, do you? And they go, oh, yes, I do. I say, well, what is it? And they don't know. And I think <laughs> it's, what? It's like a I'm comedy show. The way you explain it is like a bloody comedy show, listening to sort of the the medical version of Yes Minister or something. It's just, what? Oh, no, it's cholesterol. What? Uh, uh, What are you talking? Go and read a book. Well, actually, you can't read a book because no one will explain this to you. So I had to kind of piece it together over places. What actually happens in human physiology? Because everyone's so desperate to maintain this mythical thing and tell you how healthy carbohydrates are. That what they won't tell you is that the one thing that raises your fat level in your blood are carbohydrates and people well how can eating fat make your fat level uh, how can eating carbohydrates make your fat levels go up in your blood i said this is human physiology the body if it's got too many carbohydrates the liver converts them to fat because it can't do anything else with them and it then sheds all this fat out into your bloodstream and um which is not unhealthy by the way um, but that's how it happens. Oh, really? You go, yeah, really. So, I mean, you know, the debate, as far as I'm concerned, is like, it's a completely uneducated bunch of people who know nothing about anything 
telling me I'm wrong, despite the fact that I've spent 30 years learning this stuff. And 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 I and, and the moment you start trying to explain it to them, they sort of they glaze over going, Oh, that's a bit complicated. You know? <laughs> what science is a bit complicated. Yeah, otherwise why why are you in it? So yeah. Um, so they've so they're still holding on to that, and why people hold on to something for so long, so desperately. I mean, I think you simply um, answered it because they they kind of just they don't want to look. Uh, they got no interest in, in looking or no curiosity. But for drug manufacturers, um, if you can keep that going and and sort of ride the edge of that. Um, you're going to do really well. I was just looking into, and these are not new figures, sort of back in 2008 or so, um, you know, for that particular category of products, it was 18 billion in the US in 2008 is the figure I saw there, of which 12 billion is that company again, Pfizer, um, income for Pfizer. So this is like a cash cow and everyone right up to the people you are just describing before, um, they're making what, easy money? From it, ultimately, you don't have to think too much. You just write this out. The, the, the narrative is, or, or most of you, everyone yeah. you'll hear will tell you this will work. And next, please, right? Yes. Well, no, doc- doctors have been fully brainwashed into the glycerol hypothesis and the stupendous benefits of statins. You know, if I ask a, you know, fellow GPs, you know, how much longer do you think patients live when they take a statin? They'll tell me years. They go, oh, five years, 10 years. Okay. Well, where do they hear that? Do they make it up, or is that the drug the, company or the the? No, the, the drug company. No, that's that's formed in their brain. Oh, right. Okay. From the information they've got. Yeah. Well, you know, for instance, Lipitor, which is the Torvastatin, which is the one that, that Pfizer turned into gold, um, was uh, they, they they advertise it in the states by saying uh, it reduces the risk of heart attack by thirty six percent. Right. That okay. that figure, by the way is is true and you're thinking this is how how weird everything becomes um and uh and crestor which is the astrazeneca one they said oh it reduces vascular events whatever that may be by 55 percent so if you're thinking well heart disease kills lots of people and this is reducing it by 36 55 percent we must be getting years of extra life in these people yes yes yeah it sounds reasonable and feasible doesn't it sounds great Uh, i want i want some yeah, well, of course you want some. Hold you back. Well, the thirty-six percent figure, because if you go into the study it came from, which was uh, at, at court, that was a court or Ascot, Ascot, um, and you and you and you start going and burying yourself down into the figures, which is one of the reasons why they get away with this. Is who can be bothered doing this sort of stuff? It's really boring, and um, and yeah. of course, a heart, a heart attack is. See what they do is this thing. Um, You've got a group of people and there's like 10,000 and 10,000 and at the end of five years, 10% of them died or whatever, or 2% of them died. And, and so many people have had a heart attack and, and various other things have happened. But you can put the statistic around, which is which is that, um, and, I, and, I, and I, I will try and get this right because I keep getting it wrong, is that in the uh, in, in the study it came from, in, in the people that took the statins, all right, 90, 98% point one percent did not have a heart attack and that's in a placebo group uh and in the statin group 99 percent of people uh didn't have a heart attack so the actual difference was 0.9 of a percent right that, that was the actual difference but the relative difference between these two figures was 36 percent so you see the relative difference between two and one is 50 percent okay yeah. so if you 
if you treat a hundred people and hundred if you hundred people take the drug, hundred people take the placebo. In the drug, one person dies, and in the placebo, two people die. All right. Yeah. So you can say there's a fifty percent reduction in death. Okay. But if you do the same thing with a thousand people, so nine hundred ninety-eight people don't have a heart attack, and one one person does, you've still got a fifty percent difference, two versus yeah. one. But the absolute difference is now is now a tenth, and you can keep doing this up to millions and millions. So so what they do is they say what was the relative difference was was fifty percent. The absolute difference was was virtually unnoticeable on yeah, a graph. So you, I know which one I'd use. Yes, well, you know, of course, you know which one to use. And they did a survey of doctors. This wasn't on this area; it was to do with um, prostate cancer screening, where where. 60% of the doctors couldn't understand the this quite simple um, presentation of the figures. So one of them said, if you do prostate cancer, I can't remember the exact figures of a robot called Doctoring Data where I, where I covered this. I said it reduces the risk of, uh, of, of dying of prostate cancer by, I think it was 40%. And, and they thought that that meant if you screened uh, 1,000 people, 40 le- 400 less would die. Yeah. Well, the actual answer was was I think one in twenty five thousand. Um, so you can present these statistics to doctors, and they don't understand them. I have asked doctor after doctor after well, not all the time. I do other things in my life, but from time to time, when I'm having a chat about things, I said, just interested if you could tell me the difference between absolute and relative risk. I have yet none of them have ever been able to explain it to me, ever. One of the things that I've heard that talked about here recently, uh, you know, what you've just explained, basically relative versus absolute, whatever it is, um, is again around the stats of um, of effectiveness of a more recent uh, treatment as well. And it seemed that that, that way of presenting, it's interesting you hearing you describe that because it it's exactly kind of the same way the numbers were presented is that the generic way to actually present that sort of data? You, you... Well, it, it has become the way. Yeah, you're, you're, you're talking about, about the benefit of vaccines here. Yeah. But yes, well, what they, it, obviously, if something's a very rare thing to happen, um, then, then, you know, your absolute differences are, are going to be small. So if something only affects one in 10,000 people or whatever, or the benefits only in one in 1,000 people. If you get a benefit in two people rather than one person, you can present that as a you know fifty percent reduction or you, whatever reduction, um, and that that's the way the pharmaceutical industry now present their figures, because it it just sounds so much better. Yeah. And you say, well, what, what actually happened? And what were the figures? It's like, well, people's eyes glaze over because they're not interested. And so it is a game that they play that they seem to just get away with. No one. There are people out there. There there are people who understand this stuff. Who are going? We can't present the figures like this. This is not valid, because uh, the other thing that they do is they'll present the benefits as a relative risk um, benefit, and then they'll present the downsides of like how many adverse effects do you get, or what's the risk of this happening as an absolute figure. All right. Mm. So they they use what they call unbalanced outcome figures. So so you know the benefits are presented, da-da, and the, oh that's only a 0.5 percent increase in 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 death. And, you know what you're worried about, but but that's actually more than the benefit. It's just you've made it sound like it's a it it. I mean it's quite extraordinary. I mean 
it, it yeah, is it like is. a magician's trick where, where, I, where they go da da so going back to this 36 percent figure anyway when yeah. i looked at the the figures in detail it was like what do you call overall mortality how many people died all right the difference in overall mortality this 36 percent reduction in in heart attacks ended up as a the, the actual figure of the reduction in in mortality was zero point zero 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 it was zero so although it's presented yeah. as a 30 percent six percent reduction in heart attacks the actual benefit on overall mortality when you go into the figures was zero which of course they don't even mention it's like oh well well it doesn't you know did, people don't want to take drugs to stop dying what are you talking about you foolish person literally i've had that said to me um but it prevents other things that are beneficial as well Anyway, just well, that, that's always the, the, the when you're desperate, you'll go to that one, right? You'll, you'll well, click well, on well, down yeah. a level and take, but, but there are other things, uh, we think. <laughs> well, yeah, and and you know, recently, we, because statins have all run out of patents, so they don't make the vast sums of money they used to, right? right. When, when a drug runs out of patents, then 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 the, the, a Chinese company can start making them, uh, and we all trust Chinese products, and um, and and they don't charge. You don't charge so much. Uh, you charge them up. In fact, major companies come out of it. But there are new medications that have come along recently to lower cholesterol even more than than statins. So they keep the the battle uh, um, yeah. against cholesterol because um, I'm thinking with all of that, and you know, how do you un how do you unwind something like that? Does it have to run its natural course of of being a, the the fad? Does it have to be replaced by something? That you can sort of jump horses onto, or can you can you really get it out there and and um, you know make these figures, or drill them down to the average person who'd be sitting across the desk <coughs> from the doctor and saying, "Oh, that sounds good. Yeah, okay, I'll do that." Um, um, well, what, yeah. I mean, how much it, of a job have you got here? You know. Well, a, I feel a bit like uh, Don Quixote. I've been tilting at these windmills for a long time. Yeah. Uh, or, or perhaps I've been, I've been charging around on the planes with my sword raised going, come on then, come out of the castle, I'll fight you. And they never yeah. do. Uh, they don't take you on on these debates uh, because because they can't. Um, so they all hide there. But I'll tell you, there is a one one fascinating thing. There is a group in Oxford who are the, the kind of epicentre of all things cholesterol. Um, and I can't talk too much about them at the moment. Um, but uh, you, might be, the, you might get attacked by a giant lipid. Well, <laughs> but keep me very healthy. And uh, the the they're doing a thing called UK Biobank Study, which is a genetic study of disease, which is actually quite, a, it could be quite a good thing. So looking at all this stuff that comes in and saying, can we link it to various diseases and can we therefore see patterns emerging in these large populations, which is actually, you know, science, this is, this is, mm sort of science really except that of course the pharmaceutical companies have got involved and they get first dibs on all the research for the first five years and so no one else gets to see it so they get five years of getting their drug lined up to come out uh, so you know but i mean i'm not against necessarily people making money out of stuff uh, it, no. as long as it's good stuff but a uk biobank study looked at risk factors for cardiovascular disease deaths all right this is about two three years ago and um you know, talking hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people. And then they said, right, well, diabetes increases your risk of heart disease by about three and a half times. Right? Smoking three times, blood pressure 1.5 times or whatever. 
Um, so the, the, which I don't disagree with. I'm not, I'm not, I think the diabetes and all these things are, are trigger cardiovascular disease. When it came to cholesterol, and they said, what's the, what's the increased risk of a one millimole per liter uh, increase in cholesterol levels, which should be, say, from five to six, which you'd then be starting to get treated with statins. What they found was that the increased risk was zero, 0. 0.00. It didn't exist. And this is their study. It's UK Biobank. I've got it. It was published in the, in the BMJ. Now, that, that initial figure, you have to drill down to like Appendix 53, subsection 4, paragraph 5, you know, da di da di da But it's there. And I, I printed it off. Uh, and in the paper itself, all this stuff is like, it's fantastic and wonderful. What a wonderful project it is. And we can see that diabetes is a danger and da di da di da And you think, yeah, what about, hello? What are you saying about cholesterol? Which you have found in your study to have no impact on cardiovascular disease death whatsoever. Hello? <laughs> it wasn't even mentioned in the paper itself. That's this incredible. wasn't mentioned. And, uh, and this is where you get to. It's like, uh, hold on. A group of researchers in Norway did a thing called Hunt 2. I don't know what Hunt was or two, one was. But anyway, they looked at, um, and this was LD. Now, this is cholesterol levels and risk of cardiovascular death. Over, I think, 60,000 people over 10 years. And uh, what they found was that for men, your cholesterol level didn't really have any significant effect. It wobbled around a bit as your cholesterol went up. But for women, if your cholesterol level was seven, over seven, which you'd be like rushed to hospital immediately for an injection of statins and people with defibrillators on standby, right? Yeah. Uh, their risk of cardiovascular disease was 40% reduced compared to having a cholesterol level of five, which is considered normal. Uh, so actually, it went down and down as you go. And, and the, the researchers in Japan have done the most amazingly complex study of everything about cholesterol and cardiovascular disease and risk factors. And they have found that if your cholesterol level, as your cholesterol level goes up, your risk of death goes down. You know, this is just an, a consistent finding. And, and this is a consistent finding in every study that I've ever seen if you remove cardiovascular disease from the equation. But of course, so, so the study in Honolulu, people, elderly Japanese men in Honolulu, I don't, just Honolulu, the higher your cholesterol was, the longer you lived. The higher your cholesterol lives, the longer. And when you look at, one of the things that keeps the, the hypothesis going is familial hypercholesterolemia, which you may have heard of. It's a genetic condition where your LDL level is very high. Mm. They don't call it familial LDLemia, but that's what it is. And uh, right. when there's a small group of people, in, when they're younger, the risk of heart disease is higher for these people. That's, that's a different, an entire different discussion. But at that age, the, the rate of heart disease is very, very low. So 40-year-old people just don't die of heart disease. So if about three or four extra people die at that age, that says, oh, we got a 400% increase in deaths from heart disease. Yep, yep. But actually, when you reach the age of about 70, which is when most heart attacks and things are happening. People with familiar hypercholesterolemia have, have an enormously reduced risk of dying of heart disease. Right. And overall, over their whole lifespan, their risk of heart disease is reduced compared to the surrounding population. Right. And this was known, this has been known for years. This has been known for decades. And yet somehow people have used familiar hypercholesterolemia 
So, so you say, oh, well, young people die of heart disease. That must be due to their raised cholesterol level. Actually, it's not. It's due to something else. And I've written papers about this. Mm. And it's like saying, well, if you smoke cigarettes, it's bad for you up to the age of 60. But after 60, if you smoke cigarettes, your risk of dying of lung cancer goes down. They go, well, that doesn't make any sense, does it? No, well, it doesn't. You're right. It doesn't make any sense. So why do you keep saying these stupid things? Because it's a weird thing. Once something is stuck in people's heads, it's a nuts thing. You try to get it out. It's like, it's like you have to remove their brain. Well, if they have one, you, you might do so. <laughs> Another uh, Simpsons sort of uh, cartoon for that one. That's right. <laughs> Just a little open mine, up. The mine with, yes, <laughs> take another, it out, put another one in. Put another oh, one, I new see, unit. Yeah, I yeah. see it's clear. Cholesterol has nothing to do with heart disease. How could I ever be so stupid? Yeah. I t- I'll tell you, hearing you explain that is so bloody entertaining. <laughs> it really is because it's, it is, you couldn't write the script the way, the way you put it. You know, you, you, you really, you couldn't sit down and write that. No, well, well it, it's so ridiculous. I mean, it's become so ridiculous yeah. to me. It's just, it's like, I, I feel like I'm sitting slightly back from the rest of the world looking at it going, what a bunch of idiots. What yeah. are you doing? Like Gulliver's Travels or something. You know, it's like, yeah. here's a bunch of people who, who are knocking the egg and the pointy end, and here's a bunch of people knocking the end on the round end, and they've been having a war for 500 years, or which end to, to open up the egg. And, uh, no, I do feel like I'm watching it thinking... <laughs> Well, if that's what you want to believe, if that makes you happy, and you want to take a drug for the rest of your life, that that they're probably going to cause you significant adverse effects. Off you go, knock yourself out. I've I've done my bit. I've tried to tell yeah. you that it's completely stupid. I tried to tell you the bridge had been washed out. <laughs> Keep on going if you want, um, and yeah. that's a serious bit. And I guess we should probably wind up on that. And 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 that's where you know things get really bad, I suppose. Adverse reactions and again that's coming into the vocabulary of many people right now it makes you think yes so uh you know you talk about those minuscule and it depends on how you massage the data um sort of gains from years of taking like what do you say 15 years or decades anyway um in that kind of time five five years gives you gives you gives you three days you know yeah that's right yeah if you believe those figures yeah yeah okay but even that is, you know, I, I wouldn't go to the lotto store for that. I can tell you that. Um, but uh, the downside and and what what damage? It's probably not so, so much fun. What what damage is that doing? Can you just tell us a bit about the downside of? Well, of, yeah, I mean, they're, they're not statins are not deadly. Yeah. Kill you straight away, sort of drugs. There are some adverse effects that are deadly, and we know that they exist, but they're not hugely likely to happen. Um, uh, so, therefore, you know, we're not talking about you're going to keel over and die tomorrow taking statins. I'm not going to say that. But, but are you the, less yeah, healthy than you otherwise would well, be? Well, I, I, you know, you got to remember is cholesterol is absolutely essential for your, your body to function. Your liver is churning out five grams of cholesterol every day, all day, every day. Well, um, and because it, it makes your hormones, it goes into your cell membranes. Twenty five percent of the weight of your brain is is cholesterol. Um, oh, it's that. really important stuff. And also, when you use statins, particularly, they block pathways that actually um, go to other things. And it's like a, a tree trunk, and there's branches come out of it. So you're 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 blocking the, the tree trunk and and other substances which people have never heard of, like ubiquinone, and, which is used to create energy in your cells. 
it's, mm. it's a cofactor in energy production in your mitochondria, and that reduces by about fifty percent when you take a statin. Oh, you know, yeah. Now that's a, that's just a fact. In fact, when statins were first to be launched, Merck was the first company to do this. They were going to give people a dual tablet which contained um, the statin plus ubiquinone as as a kind of dual thing because they knew it knocked the ubiquinone level down. And therefore, they'd seen research in dogs that caused massive problems. And then presumably the marketing department said, it's not going to look really great if we have to prescribe an antidote to statins That's uh, so crazy. Uh, when we give statins. You know, come on. And, and you can see there's, there's patent applications uh, in there saying yeah. Yeah. You know, ubiquinone is necessary for cell function and statins, not, cell, <laughs> not ubiquinone production. It's not just ubiquinone. So we know it causes these other pr- issues. Uh, you know, some people get liver failure. There are cases of that. Some people get muscle breakdown. We know there's cases of that where people have died because of this. One of the statins was pulled from the market because it killed quite a lot of people with um, rhabdomyolysis. Um, and they all do this to a greater or lesser extent. Um, the, the main problems, I think, is is, is I, I, I sometimes joke with patients. I say, you know, statins, uh, statins add 15 years to your life. So they, they don't make you live 15 years longer. They, they just make you feel 15 years older. Um, and and I think the problem is, of course, that most of the side of it, oh, getting, I'm getting aches, I'm getting muscle aches, I'm getting a bit fuzzy in my thinking, I'm getting et cetera, et cetera, is, is the doctor goes, well, you're getting older, what can you expect? Like, right. well, I didn't expect to get this old this quickly, you know. Um, so to me, they're, they're, they're quite subtle and, um, and, and dismissible adverse effects because... It's not like someone goes, I've turned blue, you know, oh, well, that must be the statin. Yeah. It's, yeah. Oh, I just don't feel so good. And and I feel, you know, a lot of people, I, I've had many people, many, many people, because they know my views, say, oh, I get muscle pains and joints and I can't walk as far and I can't do as much as I did. And I'm going, well, I do a challenge, re-challenge. I said, what I normally say is, well, stop, stop the statin for about two or three months. See how you feel. If none of your symptoms go away, well, it wasn't the statin. If your symptoms go away, well, it might be the statin. Start it again and see what happens. And if all those symptoms reappear, then we know that's what Ding. is causing it. Hmm. Then you have to decide, should I keep taking this? Um, is it worth it? All right, and that's their decision, not my decision. I can't, you know, I might say, here's the figures and I will present them in different ways. Um, and then they'll decide to or not to to do it. So it's not my decision. So I think for people who think I'm just not feeling so good and and and, and and I'm going to finish off because I've just been looking at a study where they looked at, um, and this was for high, high blood pressure tablets, where they asked the, the doctor, do you think your patient's quality of life has improved taking these blood pressure lowering tablets? They asked the patient, do you think your quality of life has improved? And then they asked the patient's relatives, do you think their quality of life has improved? Now, 100% of doctors said the quality of life of their patient had improved, which is interesting because they have no effect on your quality of life they don't cause or you know that anyway half of the patients said their quality of life has improved half said it, it stayed the same and a hundred percent of the patient's relatives said the quality of life of their relative got worse okay well that's telling isn't it the way that works very telling very interesting i said you know so so the person you need to ask is the patient's relative yeah because they're the ones that are probably looking and going you just you, this is having an effect. You know, but people, you know, people will dis- people will dismiss all sorts of things if they think they're taking a tablet that's helping them. They're going to 
they're not going to want to say actually it's making me feel shit mm. doctors are not ever going to want to say actually this stuff makes my patients feel shit so they they just say they just delude themselves oh, how, how can how can giving somebody a blood pressure lowering tablet improve the quality of life what 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 as hypertension has no symptoms whatsoever, all right, it can't improve their quality of life. And yet you're all saying it does. So yeah. does that not make you think you're fooling yourselves, guys? No, of course it doesn't. You know, but, um, nothing changes that particular viewpoint. So, so what I say is listen to yourself and then maybe ask your relative, am I? Have you noticed any change in me since I've been taking these tablets? You know? And they'll go, well, you're a grumpy bastard. Um, because in fact, one of the effects it does have is to make people grumpy and right. angry and, and irritable. It's quite a significant adverse effect. And, and of course it's dismissed because it's not something doctors are interested in. It's like, Oh doc, I feel a bit more irritable. It's like, you know, we're, we're all bloody irritable. What do you think? You know, um, but it can be quite significant with people and, and perhaps related to the fact that, that 80% of violent criminals in jails have low cholesterol levels. That's really interesting. Uh, geez, I'd like to, to to look at that at some point. We've been chatting for over an hour, but that, that's now we're getting somewhere, actually, as well. Yes. I was just thinking then. Well, in the original cholesterol lowering studies, they found that people who lowered their cholesterol, not with statin, people whose cholesterol was lowered, were more likely to die of violent death, either aggression, suicide, car crashes. At such That was such a strong signal that they actually looked at it and said is should we be lowering people's cholesterol and then of course they said no this is rubbish it's, it's just coincidence but even that wasn't uh, enough <laughs> nothing is enough they took yeah. statins and 50 percent of patients exploded well you know that's just coincidence 50 percent didn't you know <laughs> um i think the funniest thing you said uh uh, I mean, it was, it was very entertaining, but the thing that made crack me up the most was the, was packaging the two medications together, so that sort of cancelled each other out, you know, um, yeah. with the the um, the yeah, one on just, one hand and then the antidote as well. It's a super healthy drug with you know That's added so bonus antidote at the same time. Yeah, I love uh, it. Don't worry about what it's doing to your health, by the way. Yeah, uh, yeah, I feel and I feel great on this. Ask your relative. <laughs> ask your relative. It's been um, great chatting with you. Um, I think our audience are really going to be entertained by that. And, and also, you know, here's some stuff. I think people are thinking a lot more about these things now. Probably one of the, if you could find any benefit from this time, and that's a whole new show on its own, that, that's yeah. probably one thing where people are kind of questioning and sort of seeing that, that sort of crazy madness that you, you've been talking yeah, about. Well, yeah. Let's hope anyway. Well, we fringed on a couple of things, but I'd just like to finish off by saying my sponsor tells me I am not an anti-vaxxer. Oh, okay. Well, that's that's whew, that's good to know. I was, <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. That's the first time I thought about it when you drew our attention to it there, but I'm relieved to hear that. Thank you. Really, yeah. Um, Dr. Malcolm Kendrick, I hope to chat again. I'd really like to um, – you really got me interested in that connection with, with behaviour because that does seem to be – a problem, a growing problem. We're having crime waves through New Zealand at the moment. I suppose you can blame poverty and all of that. But, you know, if there, if there are behavioural influences that are going on at that level, perhaps, and we're not aware of it, boy, that's that's something that, that's interesting to talk about, I think. It, it, yeah. it is. Well, it's my thing, but anyway, we've not really covered it, but it's, it's fascinating, I think.
Well, we'll catch up again, I think. Thanks so much for spending some time. Great listening to you and uh, hopefully talk again soon and good luck with the books. Thank you very much.